welcome back to another episode of the Socking Tips Nerd Alert Podcast. I'm your host, James Huang. We are once again live here at the 2022 Sea Otter Classic Bike Festival trade show thing here in Monterey, California. I'm joined today again by Cycling Tips Senior Tech Editor Dave Rome, sitting directly across the table from me for once. Hi, Dave. Hello. Good afternoon. Also joining me to my left is Cycling Tips Editor-in-Chief, our resident hammer, Kelly Fretz. Hello, hello. And we have a special fourth person here on, on the podcast, standing in for Zach Edwards from the Boulder Group Edo, who is unfortunately not able to join us here at Sea Otter. We have Isaac Howe, who is the co-founder and grand poobah of Orocase. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Isaac, on very short notice. I think I grabbed you out of your booth like 20 minutes ago. So Yeah, yeah, no, it was a pleasure to be here. Happy, a good way to warm up from all the, you know, the cold. Indeed, what in is nice, with the weather here? I, well, it's very typical California it's, coastal, I feel uh, like. It's I, hot and cold and windy and dusty. It, it's all the things all at once. I'd like to stage a protest against humidity hmm. in general. Well, do you want to just like put the whole thing in a bubble? Yeah, done. All right, well, we can, we can file a petition to see, see how well we can get that going. Going back to the desert tomorrow. Okay. Hmm. You, look, you sound like you're looking forward to that. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I love Sea Otter. It's great. I know. I was just saying earlier that, like, I hey, this is better than your bike. This is this is as a as a longtime industry person now. I would much rather hang out outside and run into all of these bike people than have to do it under fluorescent lights in Las Vegas. I would I I would much rather get covered in dust, sunburns. All while wearing a rain jacket somehow, <laughs> then attend another indoor in bike. Mm, so indeed, in a bike. Indeed. There. So this is pretty great. Like well, it. one of the things we mentioned yesterday is that Sea Otter really has essentially become the. I mean, they definitely filled the void that was left by Interbike, and Sea Otter was already a really big trade show in in and of itself, and now it's even bigger. It is definitely the the I guess the premier place to check out new bike gear in North America, and once again, we were checking out. A whole bunch of new stuff in the dirty, dusty, grassy, gravelly aisles here of the Sea Otter Classic and Laguna Seca Recreation Area. So I'm going to pose the same question I posed to you guys yesterday. What's the coolest thing you saw the show today? Well, this is going to be a bit awkward because the coolest thing I think I saw at the show today might come across as a bit of a plug for our guest on the show. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, or we, case, we, pro- we promised there was no, there was this was not planned. What's that? We promise that this that association was not pre-planned. No, it wasn't. Which it actually, it's that association is why we have the guests that we have. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a bike case that uh, it's a it's a much larger bike case than what Aura Case is known for. They're sort of known for the really small, like get you under the oversized limit, pretend it's not a bike kind of bike case. And they're working on a new case that uh, is larger and more in line with what you'd expect a bike case to be. Uh, But it has a number of unique features that I'm quite excited about. Uh, One is that it's actually very light, but perhaps the the one that I got all giddy about living in an apartment is that this one, the the hard base of it, that uh, normally you can collapse a... The most, the best case on the market, you can often collapse down and have them sit into their rigid base. Uh, this one, the base then folds on itself, so it becomes like an even smaller case. So it's uh, it's something that's quite exciting to me. It's something that I reckon I'm the customer for. And Isaac, since we have you here, can you explain to people the origin of the the brand name Oro Case? Because it kind of serves as sort of like your guiding principle almost for everything that you develop, right? 
Yeah, Oracase, you know, is root word and origami to fold. And our first versions of cases were intended to be uh, sort of mirrored after a USPS priority box where you could kind of just like lay it flat and then turn it in three, 3D, you know, 3D and they, it would turn into a box. And to be honest, like originally it was because we were a bunch of dirt bags and we would put like six to 10 people in a hotel room. And if you weren't good enough, you'd end up be the one sleeping on the floor. And since, <laughs> since our first bike cases were made literally out of camp pads, you know, that we like bought from Walmart and cut down, it just seemed fitting to have the whole thing lie completely flat. Cause then you could then sleep on it. But so, so, you know, like, it seems, you know, it's a little embarrassing, but it's also really funny to share that because that is really where it came from, is it to fold and then it turned into, you know, sort of origami and the, but the whole concept of thinking about, you know, the case flying flat and then how to turn it. Originally, our first case, we thought for some reason it would be good to try to make it out of a single piece of fabric that would just fold into it. But we quickly learned that that wasn't right. Uh, but yeah, so that's the origin of Oru case. I hmm. like that that's like a, just a metaphor for... Uh, American crit racing or cycling in general over the last 10 or 15 years? Oh, I, I found out. Isaac's had all sorts of good stories from, from racing back in the all day. All over the place. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should bring up the hot pot water? Maybe. maybe, yeah. maybe no, we, no, maybe. no. I think that one's, that one's that one can live in through infamy in uh, Phil Guyman's <laughs> book. Yeah, that one. But the... Yeah, I mean, like, that is the origin of Oracase is that Colin and I were college roommates and, you know, just... I think we just realized, like, going to flying to collegiate nationals one year, like... What do you do with six classical hard cases and one, one van with six riders? Like, it just doesn't work. And so the concept is something we were mulling around for a long time. And eventually, it just got to a point where, like, I, I was racing for a team that had run out of money, and I had $50 to my name. And I was like, I got to get to the Vail criterion. There was the USA Crit Series was in Vail. The race paid for my flight my entrance fee, my hotel, literally all I had to do is get my bike on the plane and I didn't have enough money. And so we decided that this is the moment when I'm gonna go to Joanne Fabrics, you know, take a camp pad and some duck canvas and just some holiday thread that my girlfriend at the time used to make our stockings and like, <laughs> and like, and like make this and make this case. And, and I was so embarrassed, I didn't tell anybody that I had sewed it myself, but when I saved the 200 bucks and made it to the bike race, got fourth or something overall in the series, won my prize purse that, that that was the first year they did like an overall prize purse and you had to be there to get it. That's why I definitely had to go. And I got my payout and then I was like, somebody in the hotel lobby after the race offered me 200 bucks for it. And I was just like, that's a great idea. I only make $500 a month. Like, like this is, <laughs> I'm going to quickly double my monthly income. Like what else do you have to do? You're a bike racer. You got tons of time that you can sew. And so I, it's just started from that. And we were selling, we were hawking bike cases at the call-ups at USA Crits. Just, you know, like somebody would be like, Hey, I put in an order and you're like, all right, man, I'll get to it when I get back from Boise twilight, you know, and that was the way it all started. And it just, kind of turned into, you know, it just started to get momentum and momentum. And over time, we realized that there was a much larger audience of people that really, you know, it wasn't just broke bike racers that saw the value in a compact travel case. And I think that that's really what we're going into here is just that everybody really had to contend with the same problems. Yep. Yep. Well, yes, that is actually why we have Isaac on the podcast with us today. We've got a pretty interesting travel related topic that we're going to bring up in a little bit. Um, 
I really do like that origin story of, of the oral case, though, because I, I don't think story. I've ever really heard the whole case. And I, I the, the the mental image of my in my head of of a bunch of broke bike racers crammed into a hotel room, <laughs> like with one of them sleeping on a bunch of broken down bike cases. More is than one. Pretty, yeah. pretty yeah. fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I've lived this. I've lived this reality. Mm. A, not a good place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is and it isn't at the same time. It's, you know. Yeah. Like, and also, and also, some of the best times of your life. So yeah. most weird, memorable. That's really for sure. weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yesterday, Kaylee, you had nothing to add to the show. Nothing. I added a ton of things. At least, at least to the opening segment, anyway. Multiple talking things. About, talking about th Plural. cool things that you saw at the show. So yeah, you yeah. have promised that today you were going to share with us something that you saw at the show today that was cool. What is it? I actually have two. Oh, two. And the second one came to us right before the, the episode started, which oh, was... Interesting. Which was uh, Thesis. What, I was like a sister brand? or I don't know what... Sub-brand. Sub-brand. They, they, make, they make gravel bikes and... Uh, make wheels called Logos. And the thing I like about them is that they have hooked beads on them. And, uh, you know, if you listen to this podcast a lot, you probably know that Zach Edwards and I have, in particular, ranted about this a lot. Uh, and they've, they've figured out some, some manufacturing method that allows them to manufacture those rims sort of as cheaply as a hookless option but with a hook on it, so I don't have to worry about my tire falling off. And I'm a really big fan of that. So I'd just like to, a, a small amount of applause for Logos and their ability to, to do this well, and find the manufacturer to do it, I should say. that That's not the only, I guess that's not the only thing that sets them apart because- It's just what I like. To, to, be, to be fair, to be fair, Randall, Randall Jacobs, the founder, I guess founder or co-founder, I can't remember, of Thesis, um, they, he didn't invent the process to make the, to make an inexpensive hooked carbon rim, but um, he is exceptionally good at kind of sourcing a bunch of stuff overseas, and he's got a bunch of connections over there. He's just very good at the whole supply chain thing. One thing that's really nice about those wheels is that kind of in typical thesis style, they're very inexpensive. I think he said they were like a thousand bucks or something, carbon rim. Uh, they don't use an actual DT Swiss hub, but apparently now that the DT Swiss patent has been expired for quite some time now, the it's it's a, a DT Swiss knockoff hub in the truest sense of the word, and that he said that the parts open are actually source. interchangeable. It, open yes, source. he described it as open source, <laughs> but they're like <laughs> under fourteen hundred bucks disc brake, or sorry, under fourteen hundred grams supposedly, supposedly, and disc brake and pretty wide, and you know supposedly like built well, all the other stuff. Anyway. Uh, I Lots think, of things to like. I think we're going to have a set in for review sometime soon, so you can keep an eye out for that. But we'll see. Okay, so I, I think... Uh, I have another one. I have two. You, well, you will have okay, your turn. We're going to go around you, a circle. You will have your turn, Kaylee. I'm ready. Fred, I will don't wait patiently. I, so my, my <laughs> first item, uh, I think a lot of people who have... Watched, well, I think a lot of people who are... I guess a lot of people who like sunglasses, they have probably heard of the brand called Gooder. G-O-O-D-R which already kind of signifies, I think, the, the ethos of the brand. And they've always had grammar. a huge range of just kind of fun, casual sunglasses and one of their claims to fame, uh, in addition to having tons of colors and styles and, and all that stuff, is they're really cheap. They're like 20, 25 bucks US. Um, like I, I have a, my neighbor across the street, she's a big fan of them. She like, kind of like buys them in multiples and just kind of like has them around. They're just like fashion accessories essentially, but they're also still pretty decent sunglasses. Um, but they've never really had any sort of like sports specific models until now. They now have a wraparound model offered in six different colors, couple different lens options. They are 
actually seemingly pretty good. It's not like the best optics I've ever used. I mean, like Oakley or Smith or something like that, they are still better optics. Um, but these are not bad. They look really fun. They've got lots of fun little names, fun colors. Uh, as far as I can tell, these seem to offer a lot of protection. The styling is a little bit derivative in terms of the shape. It's kind of like very Oakley Sutro-esque. Or like those Pac yeah, wraparound like, things. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, but they're only 45 bucks, right. 45 US. And unlike a lot of super cheap glasses that are out there, like they don't feel like they're gonna fall apart. They don't feel like something that you buy at Home Depot or like a home improvement store sort of thing. Uh, and definitely in true Gooder fashion, they have very fun names. Like this, this one that I'm holding here, the actual model name is called Extreme Dumpster Diving. It's, it's kind of like the entire company is a manifestation of Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> nice. I like everything game. about it. I yeah. like everything about it. All right, Dave, what you got next? A uh, new bike company out of California. So uh, Blackheart Bike Co. Uh, they don't have a lot of bikes on offer. They've got, they started with a titanium all-road model, which is, you know, ex-Asia, ex but locally designed. Uh, and yeah, it's sort of an all-road bike with room for 40, 40 millimeter tires, 700 by 40 mil. Uh, road geo so quite a road aesthetic to the bike but just room for a bigger tire sort of kind of the, the the kind of gravel bike i would like to ride myself anyway so yeah they got the titanium bike but now that bike was twenty two thousand seven hundred fifty dollars for the frame set with c post but then now have launched at sea otter uh, an aluminium model which basically is the same geo, the same tire clearance, uh, the same simplicity. So it's like a English shaded bottom bracket, uh, regular external cable routing until the until the frame, uh, external seat clamp, round seat post, regular stem, uh, and yeah, it's it's half the price of the titanium model. So the, it's a full carbon fork, quite high end. It's a double butted frame construction, and it just seems to tick a lot of boxes. So for those people looking for like a simple fuss free all road bike with something like a little bit different branding on it it seems to hit the mark and it's about $1300 for a frame set so um so yeah i'm that that was one that stood out and hopefully we can get one to test okay okay well kaylee it is time for your number 2 cool product that you saw today this one's groundbreaking groundbreaking it's actually i well it's actually not even new the man that handed this to me a bottle of Bike Butter Lube admitted that he does not own a bicycle, which was an odd thing to admit, I think, sitting here at Sea Otter. He essentially bought the rights to this stuff, which he says was developed for the U.S. military for Operation Desert Storm to keep sand off of, like, guns and things like that. Anyway, it's a lube. And so I, I grabbed it because I knew that Dave would be excited. And I want Dave to go home and test it and tell me whether it is any good. I don't know much more about it other than the fact that it was developed for deserty, sandy conditions, which means if it works, I would quite like it because I was up at Fruta what, a week and a half, two weeks, two weeks ago, and I, I none of the lubes that I had with me, of which I had like three or four, worked for more than about 45 minutes in the chalky stuff in Fruta. So maybe, maybe that will do it. I don't know. Can we have a sniff test? Have a sniff test. Maybe give it a little lick. I, I've sniffed it, and I'm not going to lick it. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it does not smell uh, does edible. It, does it smell very chemically? Yeah. Um, would, you although, put it on, would you put it on your gluten-free waffles? Okay. 
<laughs> Although that is the sort of thing that if you sniff it enough, it yeah, never mind. <laughs> anyway, I'm like I'm kind of genuinely genuinely interested by that because sometimes you do get products that have existed in some other space for a very long time, and then all of a sudden some dude is just like, wait. I could just put this on my bike chain and it turns out that it works quite well. I mean, let's let's not forget that waxing chains was not a thing more than sure. about 10 years ago. So maybe it, maybe it's I, great. I, I will go in with a great deal of skepticism because the uh, the Purple Extreme, I believe, was a chain lube that came from the gun world uh, and showed very good early promise, but testing since has shown that it's not the greatest thing for in a bicycle chain. And coincidentally, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm kind of thinking that Purple Extreme came in this kind of similar container than as. This is the temporary container, apparently. They, they, the, the official ones are not here yet, and so huh. this is just like a, he just, I think, mean, went to the store and... But yeah, this seems a bit thicker own. and is definitely not the same color, so it's not the same stuff. Yeah. I, bike butter. Bike yeah. butter. Go okay. check it out. Bike butter. All right. We're, okay. uh, we'll, we'll report back. We'll try it out. Okay. We'll report back. Uh, yeah. I also That's just want to make a quick... also want to just make a quick note that uh, if you are noticing a little bit more background noise than we typically have for Nerd Alert, that is because we are currently underneath the uh, our giant... The outside cycling tips, pink bike, velo pelo tips. Velo, yes. Velo pelo tips. Okay, yes. That we're under that our giant little tent compound here, and we're having a little party at Sea Otter, which is and, why Tom Bowden is here. Which is why Tom, Tom Bowden can always here. find a party. Uh -huh. And so, uh, yes, there are a lot of people here. A lot. Of, there's a lot of talking going on. So, my apologies if it's a little bit loud. So hopefully these mics are doing their job. It sounds okay in my headphones right now. So all I think right. we're all right. Okay. But you can definitely hear the people. So we apologize right. for that. All right. My my second item, we were talking yesterday about a bunch of kind of like where gravel tires and uh, tire sizes and that sort of thing were going. One other trend that I have picked up today is that it's not just gravel tires that are getting bigger. It's also like more road style tires that are just getting really, really big. And I ran into the folks at Challenge today and they have... Um, they've always had a whole bunch of open tubulars and like, open tubulars with, with file treads that I honestly have always really liked. They ride really well, that sort of thing, they grip nicely. Uh, and they showed me a new version of their Strata Bianca tire that now comes in a 700 by 45, 700 by 45 mil open tubular file tread tire. Uh, it's tubeless ready, comes in a 260 TPI polycotton casing, uh, a little bit of puncture protection. It's seemingly quite light. Uh, it definitely has that sort of like tan wall style that a lot of people like. How are you both on this podcast and getting tacos behind you at the same time? Uh, I'm sorry, everyone. The Nerd Alert podcast is now canceled. <laughs> the tacos are out. I gotta go. <laughs> that was just a James Allen Lim joke, which is one of my favorite jokes. Oh, and Alan <laughs> Lim is serving serving tacos. <laughs> no, uh, James is serving tacos and well, Alan's no, on the I, podcast. I couldn't see. Well, I mean, yeah. it's hard to see yourself. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> Anyway. For those who don't have any idea what I'm talking about, uh, James and Alan get confused by people sometimes. Surprisingly often. Surprisingly often. We are we are two Asian people in alike. the bike industry <laughs> in Boulder. We do not look alike at all. At all. Shout out to Ellen Noble on this one because yesterday she got introduced. Uh, well, I was introduced to her yesterday as Australian James, <laughs> and she went, "Hang on, aren't you Alan Lim?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was very well played. Well done. Well done, very Alan. Played. Well done. Yeah. All right. Well, I apologize for the interruption. Dave, you got anything else that you want to share today or should we move on? Oh, no, that was the main thing. Yeah. I got those two. There was a lot of, a lot to see. And uh, yeah, you can absolutely catch the rest on online on the site. We'll be doing lots of galleries and video. 
Okay. All right. Well, all right. On to our main segment of this episode of Nerd Alert. And again, the reason why we have Isaac on with us today is people have, well, one thing that's really cool about Sea Otter is it does draw people here from a whole bunch of different areas. Uh, certainly, it's a big festival, big event with lots of bike races that draws in a lot of people from California and the immediately surrounding area that people can drive from quite easily. But a lot of people also fly here with their bikes. And while Oro Case was founded on kind of in an environment when airlines were being extremely difficult in terms of how much you had to pay, what the, what you were allowed to do, all sorts of things in terms of flying with your bike. Spe specifically airlines in this country. Certainly yeah, U.S. I was say airlines. American definitely. Airlines, but that, yes, yes American the particularly airlines, but greedy U.S. And, airlines. Yes. But we have noticed that uh, in recent months and I guess maybe even just like the last year or so, uh, things are getting better. Like so United and Delta, uh, like I think JetBlue has always been kind of okay, but like Frontier, I think, Alaska Airlines. 2019, uh, Delta and American both got rid of their, over their okay. bike fees. But recently, United, I think, yeah, in the last like United six as well. months, got rid of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So now, like Kaylee, you and I both have a version of um, a, a case that Overcase used to make that no longer, that you don't, uh, that you no longer have called the Sub-62. And that was specifically designed for travel bikes. And it was specifically designed to be totally, totally airline legal because it, it was absolutely not oversized at all. However, there's not really as much need for something like that because now with those oversized fees going away, that's not an issue. However, you do still have these overweight issues because bikes still have to be with a bike and case has to still be within a certain uh, certain weight limit in the u.s it's usually about 50 pounds i believe which is like 22 kilos um so now we just sort of have just like another problem so yes you can fly with your bike you don't have to have a travel bike without paying a ton of money however you still have to hit a certain weight limit which is not always super easy to do especially if you're trying to fly with a mountain bike and then the other challenge with that is while you can get a soft case that might not be super heavy, might not also be super protective too. So I am particularly curious to hear from you, Isaac, what you all are seeing as far as the traveling with your bike landscape in terms of like how people are flying with their bikes and what people are asking for now. Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really difficult question to answer quickly, but- uh, We, have, we yeah, have time, Isaac. Yeah, because I think what we started noticing foremost at our business was people calling us with these uh you know really nice new bikes that are coming out with really integrated with hydraulics and integrated handlebars and they look super sleek but unfortunately they make it really challenging to fly with and so a lot of like most recently i think it's the sl7 trek that people were calling us and saying oh i got this new bike for christmas and i love my aura case but i can't take it apart and fit in there and that for us really started to, you know, this trend is really moving in that direction, at least we, what we were seeing. And so we, we knew that that was hurting us. Uh, and we're seeing that, you know, with the, what we saw with the, we thought in 2019 with the, uh, with the re loosening of travel restrictions with, with bikes on airplanes, we thought that it was going to be doomed for us because we felt like all of a sudden no one was going to have any need for a compact bicycle case. But what we found is that we, our business grew. And I think that that was because more people felt felt like it was a good idea to fly with a bike because the other part about flying with one of our cases is that inevitably there's certain, sometimes a certain degree of 
sort of like dishonesty with the airline is that like you can't like it's sort of weird because their their airline they're not they're not clear on their policies you know and the and they're only as good as the gate agent knows them you know like I've had I've had I've flown out of San Antonio a few times with through Southwest and had this one gate agent be like like. I know the rules. I don't need you to show them to me. I've been working for you for the, you know whatever airline for so long. Like you you know I know them, and I'm like, sir, I'm holding them right here. If it's under 62 inches, it's free. But he's saying, but no, if it's a bike, you pay. So the problem is, is that there's just so much unknown and unknown within there. So with the relaxation of policies around bikes. You know, people felt better about going with one of our cases being super light, getting it under 50 pounds and saying, yeah, definitely this is a bike and I'm happy to pay $25 as a check bag fee. But with the integrations within the bikes now and, uh, you know, the fact that there's a very strict 50 pound weight limit, it makes it a lot more difficult, especially because full size bike cases traditionally have had to have a lot of or have to have a lot of substance around them to keep them safe. But they end up ultimately being pretty heavy. Okay, so how do you get around that? So definitely I want to talk more about the whole integrated cockpit thing and how that's made things really challenging. Um, but as much as those are sort of like the, the, the new new, like all these bikes are coming now with fully integrated front ends that are really hard to deal with, the fact of the matter is still looking at the whole bicycle landscape, there are still a lot more bikes that don't have that issue, but they're still not travel bikes, so you still need a full-size travel case. Um, how, how does all that look? So how do, you, how do you get a case light? And how light does a case really need to be? Like if you have a, if you look at your bike and however much it weighs, I think people have sort of a rough idea of how much the whole thing is going to weigh, but aren't they often kind of like forgetting about a, a bunch of other stuff that often goes in there, like padding and whatever? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're flying with your road bike, it might only be 15 or 16 pounds, but you'll also oftentimes have your shoes, your helmet, all these other things that can quickly add up to 10, 10, 15 pounds. And, and if you wanted to check that as a separate bag, well, airlines still have a second check bag fee, which can sometimes be two to three times the fee of the first check bag. And so you can really compound the expense of traveling if you're not able to put all those things into your bike case. So a lot of times people will just try to stuff all their ride gear, all their nutrition, all the things that the, if there's liquids, you can't really carry those onto the plane. So you got to check those in there. It's really easy to go from a, a light bike with a fairly light bike case and then have it be well over that 50 pound limit and you're getting hit with an overweight fee. So what sort of tips do you have for people to keep weight down? So let, let, let's start here. Like, let's say they have a case already. And let's say they want to travel with their bike and let's say they're they're feeling good about being able to stick it to the airlines now finally and not having to pay that fee. What do they have to do? What do they have to think about to keep things light? Well, at the, the bike racer in me says, keep your shoes in your carry-on, or excuse me, keep your shoes in your pedals in your carry-on bag. Because if you ever show up to a race and your bike's not there, if you have your pedals and shoes, you can most of the time get away, you know, be able to still get on a, get on a pit bike or something like that. But pedals weigh a pretty good amount of weight. So that's, that's a, that's a good starting point. But then also, yeah, also your helmet and any sorts of powders or, or bars or things like that. I, I always carry those on or care or put them in a separate check bag. Um, but other than that, like it's, there's not really much else that you can do. Like, you know, 
basically just not bring a whole lot of stuff. Definitely, yeah. Wash, wash, use the same kit, wash it over and over again every day. I mean, that's. <laughs> oh yeah, this is, this is definitely like old bike racer. Yeah, old bike sorry. racer eyes yeah. are coming out. Yeah, definitely. The answer is quite easy. Just spend more on your bike. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. Lighter just, bikes. Just get lighter bikes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a cheap answer, but it's an easier answer. Yeah. All right. So now, if if someone out there does have a newer road bike with all a fully integrated front end that's not very easy to take apart, or if they're traveling with a mountain bike that just everything is just bigger, uh, bigger and heavier, what do people need to look at now when they're looking for a, a travel case? I mean, clearly the whole old school hard sided bike case is just dead. Like I, I think I just literally gave one away. I donated one the other day. I have no idea what they're going to do with it. But I donated one the other day, and the case itself was like 30 pounds or something. Um, so what should people be looking for in a, in a full-size travel case if they need, if, if they can't take their road bars off or if yeah. they need, need a little bit more room? Yeah, well, one thing I would always recommend is people to consider when they're building up their bikes to put a little bit more, if you can, put more slack in your cables, on your integrated cables, because definitely if you have... Like some some ses setups don't allow for this, but if you can put a couple inches of extra cable inside your bars, that gives you a lot more freedom to be able to articulate them and fit them into a carry case. That's a huge part of it. But and on the on the on the carry case side of things, you have to look for something that's going to be really durable, that's going to be able to protect your very expensive bike. So getting the cheapest bike case out there might not be the right option if it's if you have a really nice bike, but. Uh, also weight and so weight and price and all that because the weight of the bike case if your can really add up quickly and then really compound the the additional costs associated with traveling with it hmm. uh, let me ask you this so if you have all right well let me back up a little bit so so Dave you had mentioned that Oro case has this new full-size case that's pretty cool uh, and one thing that I saw earlier is that if you do have a bike with an integrated front end that you really just can't take off at all. Generally speaking, what people have been looking at now is the the, the cases from from Sycon, right? One of those kind of like semi-rigid cases. They look like a big starfish almost, and they yep. have like the full like a full width front end that yep. you don't have to take your bars off. And it, Evoke have one too. Yep. So, am I correct? Isaac, that that you now have a case that you can sort of do that with, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've always really you know taken taken you know followed and looked up to Sycon and Evoc with their bike cases that they're making. I mean, when Evoc came out with a pro road case, like it was, it's really slick. It has this really hard top shell, and you could put a whole bike in there or just pulling your wheels off. It's great, but for us, being that we're also doing mountain and road, like not everybody really wants to always have multiple bike cases. So we were trying to find a way to be able to create a bike case that you could leave your handlebars on uh, on the case, but still have it have the, the compact space and the design to be able to work with a mountain bike as well. And so our case has telescoping sides on, on the end of it, which unzip so that you can leave your handlebars on when you're flying with a road bike, but then you can zip them up into a compact storage to make to have no extra space for when you're flying with a mountain bike. So when you're packing a bike like that though, and you leave your bars on, how do you keep the airline, or how do you, how do you keep that whole front end from getting destroyed? That's a great question, actually. So the idea that we had came from the old iPad covers, you know, the like all iPad covers that would just sort of fold and they would be, they had like this hard material that was in there. What we've done is we created a wrap that wraps around the handlebars that has a rigid, has a rigid plastic uh, that's laminated or over fabric. And so it, it's a little bit wider than most handlebars and it wraps around the whole cockpit 
in Velcros to itself. It's in, in, in sort of takes the impact of the bars and puts it onto the plastic that goes around it. It's like a like a crush tube sort of thing. Yeah, sort of. And it's and it's 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 kind of like it's really difficult because we came up with this padding kit as well. Like we were trying to solve the problems around keeping your bike from getting scratched. And so we came up with a universal padding kit that it's not perfect because every single bike is different, but it's somewhat universal and you can trim it and cut it to make it work with most bikes. And it's the same sort of deal with this wrap that goes in our on our Axiom bike case. It it wraps around the bars, but it works better with some cases, with some handlebar setups than it does with others. But at the same time, like at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily need to look pretty because at the end of the day, a bike case is a tool to help you get to where you want to go ride. And you're going to leave your bike case in your hotel. And that's all that it, that's the relationship. If your bike gets to where it's going and it doesn't get damaged, then, then we've done our job. And the case that, that bar wrap may not look perfect on every single bike, but it's, it, it's definitely going to keep your bar safe. Huh. That seems quite clever, actually. It's and why it's one of the reasons why I suggested it was the best product I'd seen today. Well, you so, didn't mention it earlier. You didn't mention that. that well, I had to earlier. save something for later. <laughs> oh, man, I guess. I guess. Um, I like the, the the fact that it can fold up and get out of the way, because that's always my issue. Is like, I'm granted my use case somewhat unique. I fly places and then sit in a rental car for like three weeks, right? Which means it needs to be really small. Whatever I'm traveling with needs to be really small because it has to fit in the back of a rental car with all my other luggage, with my bike. And with like three other with people. With like three other people for three weeks at the Tour de France. Granted, like I said, not a normal use case, but that's and, that's huge and for me. that's exactly why when I used to travel with a mountain bike for racing, I would travel with a cardboard box as opposed to a bike case because when you get picked up at the airport, you put your bike on the roof to go drive to the race or whoever's taking you to the race, you need to put your bag somewhere and it had to be a cardboard box so I could flat pack it and shove it in the back and then I'd retape it at the other end. This case seems to fix that issue. Uh, it is actually, and yeah, I, like soft bags have always done this, but soft bags don't offer the same level of protection or the same easy carrying through the airport. In this case, to me, it looked like it's going to solve a lot of those issues that are very common. Right. I, I think, how is this case for, how would you rate this, this new case for back support when you're sleeping on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we've had a couple of people ask us if it would really reduce airline fees because you could check the person in the with the bike <laughs> because you know, given that it pivots in the in the center, we we try to make we designed this case around fitting the overwhelming majority of bikes on the market. Like we it would it would had to have been some quite a bit longer to fit some of the largest, most slack downhill bikes, but you can fly with most downhill bikes in it. So, if you're packing the bike the, the good thing about it pivoting and folding in half is that the bike case can still be quite big, but it still packs up really, really small when it's in storage. And so there's plenty of room for another person to fit in there with the bike when you're traveling, but I just don't, I don't exactly know how well pressurized cabins are, so I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> suggest it. Oh, okay. Well, that, that is one aspect that I'm not going to test out someday. Uh, Isaac, one thing I am curious about is I am sure you have probably you know, been witness to or heard stories about or something about people making pretty horrible mistakes as far as how to pack their bike for travel. How, how are people screwing up when they pack their bikes to, to fly somewhere? Man, let me, how much time do we have again? Uh, uh, we, got, we got all sorts of time. Okay. I want to I hear good stories here. Well, sort of, it's, it's kind of actually not uh, as much of an issue with our compact cases because you we design them to be as small as they can possibly be. And so you can't, you can't fit a bike in it. 
if you don't pack it correctly, which which is partially why we're I would think one of the small only smaller brands on the market that has a customer service phone number where you can call and either myself or one of the other six people in our company will answer the phone and try to help you. Right, Isaac, I mean, Isaac will personally fly to wherever you are and pack I, your bike for you. I'm 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 trying to spend less time doing that these days, but but that's but that's a big part of it is because the people will buy the cases and they'll need to have that personal instruction to get through it sometimes and we want to provide people that 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 uh, that experience because once they figure out how to do it uh, it's easy to pack all the time. I feel like the issues that we often run into are not from the user, but they're more from the baggage handlers. Uh, like whether or not TSA opens it, they're opening hundreds, if not thousands, of bags a day. They don't have really time to worry about where they're putting things back. It's it's a it's one of the things that we felt like. Again, it's it's sort of a blessing of our product in the sense that it by its design, it like you only can put things in it one way, and so. You, they really have to mess it up to make it in go wrong, but sometimes, unfortunately, that's they still find ways to do that. And you see, uh, you see it come out, they couldn't get it back together, and they just have duct taped like rah, all the way. Yeah, around. or like a, a bike case comes in a plastic bag with half of it, like unopened, <laughs> and, you know. But just like some of our, you know, I've I've just seen photos of like the first bike that we ever heard about getting broken was from a friend, fortunately, because it was back when we were still making them in my garage and selling them to people in the in the Peloton. Uh, she texted me and she said, I was watching them unload the bikes from the plane from my window and I saw the trolley drive away and the bike case fell off of it and the rear half of the trolley ran over my oh, bike. Oh, no! And, and she's like... She the only thing she actually was writing me to tell me how amazing the bike case was because it didn't tear completely in half. <laughs> but unfortunately, her bike suffered a, a very different feat. The, the bike was the crumple zone. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, sad. Oh man, so sad. Um, all right, Isaac. Well, it is getting quite loud in here, and despite the fact that I have already eaten lunch today, I smell tacos behind me, <laughs> and seeing as how. I have made them for myself, me being a representative of Scratch Labs. Uh, I kind of want to go and, and, and take advantage of my hard work here. I think we should. So thanks, as always, for listening to Nerd Alert. We're going to go ahead and wrap up a little bit earlier today because everyone's hungry, seemingly. And uh, this party is really starting to, to get going here. And I feel like we're, we're, we're like the, the four uncool kids who are just sitting in the corner still working. Yeah, like doing our homework during recess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so we are going to go. Thanks, as always, for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends about Nerd Alert. If you haven't already left us a rating or comment on iTunes, please do so. If you have any questions or comments, you can go ahead and leave those for us in the comment section of the written article that's going to go, or the written post that's going to go along with this podcast on cyclingtips.com. Make sure you check out Orocase's new Axiom case. I don't know if it's even on the website yet, seeing as how it's currently a prototype, but... <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, it, it's not on the website yet. Okay, it, well... It's, I mean, again, how much time do we have? It's it's a it's a long, lengthy supply chain story about bringing... <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I love commiserating with other brands here to talk about supply chain challenges here, but we're going to have the product 
with more information coming on our website uh, every every week that passes. We're hoping to uh, launch the product fully for pre-sale in early midsummer, and then have it be available end of summer, early early uh, fall. Nice. Okay. And, and one other detail: the price that you're aiming for. I, I the target a- price point is seven hundred dollars, but yeah. let's see how shipping containers change over the next few months and see if that uh, ends up changing right. anything. It could Hopefully be seven hundred or it could be seven thousand. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. We're airing. We're airing for the less than seven hundred price point, but yeah, it might be seven thousand if things continue right. to go up. Well, and then if you want some more information, make sure you head over to SockingTips.com to see Dave Rome's article on that case. And in the meantime, we got to get out of here. We'll see you next week. We need tacos. Bye, everybody. Bye. Good time. Bye. Good stuff. Oh, it's way louder without these on. It's way louder. <laughs>